Okay, welcome to episode 21 of the AMT podcast. Hope you're all having a profitable week as usual. It's been a very slow week for me. Couldn't get off the ground on Monday, Tuesday, and then on Wednesday. Made a nice few trades on the Afghanistan-Pakistan game in the 2020 World Cup. Uh, managed to nick a few hundred quid off of it, only for the game to be rained off. And the completed match market only had 30 grand or so matched on it. So couldn't even make any money off that, which is a real bummer. Generally, I'm trying to stay away from the World Cup. I'm just trying to enjoy it and just watch it. But uh, there was a few good opportunities in play, which I managed to jump onto. But uh, yeah, market was void. So that was a bummer. Um, as far as the racing goes, was just crap throughout the week. No prize money, no quality. And that's to be expected this time of the year. So I didn't want to waste any time or energy sat in front of the screens on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wanted to save my energy for the weekend where the real action was at. And this is what I call a transitory period during the race calendar. And it's something that I really struggled with in the beginning of my trading journey. During the summer, when I have a solid routine and I'm in my element and there's consistent solid action on the flat turf for about five months, then right up until last weekend, Champions Day at Ascot, that event kind of marks the end of the flat season and then it's all downhill from there. So I went out with a bang, made a grand um, that Saturday. I think I spoke about this in the last episode. But now the bad weather starts, the prize money plummets, the liquidity dries up, and you've got these all these two, three, four-mile long, long jumps races, which I just find super boring to watch, and they just don't suit my style. The markets are too thin. Um, there's traders out there who make an awful lot of money from the winter racing, but it's, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, and I've long struggled with the adjustment because, like I said, I'm so set in a routine for five, six months, um, making consistent money, and then suddenly I find myself having to battle with myself and stop myself from working every afternoon and stop myself from trading. And it's a really weird place to be, no longer working in the afternoon, knowing there's racing going on. And in the beginning, it took a lot of discipline, but I had to learn the hard way because before when I didn't appreciate the change in the race calendar and I thought I could just nosedive into the jump season and trade with the same staking and same level of aggression, I got punished badly. And I ended up spending several winters giving back hard-earned profits that I made in the summer, making it back, giving it back. And if I tally up my P&L for those first two or three years through the winter, it's probably even on the on the UK race. <coughs> excuse me, on the UK racing. Maybe slightly negative and definitely net negative when you count for commissions. But the money isn't the biggest deal. What's really going to have an impact on your trading is the burnout you experience from all that wasted screen time, all that wasted energy you've spent spinning your wheels for nothing. And when you overtrade, even if you're not losing money, the real loss is the compromise you're making on your ability to perform at your best when the occasion calls for it. So in my case, wasting all that screen time and energy trying to replicate summer profits on the thinner, lower quality national hunts racing would have been spent cha- better that energy would have been better spent channeling it and saving it up for the Australian racing so the Australian racing kind of works in tandem with the UK racing since the seasons are the opposite so where the UK summer action picks up the Australian action winds down and when the UK 
winter action winds down, the summer action picks up in Australia. And I've got a firm grip on how the Australian markets work. And I've made a lot of money off of it over the years. It's it's a style of trading that I'm well suited to and well adjusted to. And the fact that it's on on a Saturday means that I can top up my profits on the afternoon feature race action. So even during the lower quality winter racing, since, you know, at least the racing is televised, so there's more money around. So on an average Saturday, I'm looking to make around three, four hundred quid and then clean up another hundred, two hundred quid on the golf. So all in around five, six hundred pound every weekend for around eight hours work, which is not too shabby at all. You know, it's not bad at all. And it's not even including the money I make from my other main sport, which is test cricket. So there's even less incentive for me to even look at the daily national hunt racing because as soon as we reach November, December sort of time, the test cricket schedule is in full flow. Now the test cricket during the winter, um, it happens in New Zealand, Australia, South Asia. So it's typically on during the early hours of the morning. And test cricket often requires an awful lot of concentration. Each match is up to five days long. Each session lasts up to eight hours. And it's not uncommon to see 50 to 70 million pound matched in a game, depending on who's playing. So I can comfortably nick around a grand profit uh, a game on average. So it makes absolutely no sense schedule-wise and money-wise because I'm working up to eight hours through the morning. Watching a screen for eight hours is so draining. There's just absolutely no incentive to go back to the screen in the afternoon and watch the crappy national hunt racing where there's barely 200 grand matched on a race and I'd be lucky lucky to scalp out more than a tenner. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not at a level where I can absolutely make money off national hunt racing. I understand the market now, so I know which tracks and angles to trade and just for the sake of not going completely rusty, I do make the effort, like I said, to trade Saturdays. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's not worth my time. So I just try and avoid doing it unless you know there's really good action. But Australian racing is definitely a must and a guaranteed moneymaker for me throughout the winter. So I'd much rather focus my attentions on that. But I am guilty in the past, as I was saying earlier, of overtrading. And it's become somewhat, it became somewhat of an addiction. And the only way that I found to combat this is to just be honest about it and write down my profits and losses and only then I began to realize how much time I was wasting and how much energy it was consuming and taking away from my productivity. So now what I do is I make a conscious effort to write down my entire trading schedule, which, which events I'm trading, which ones I'm going to leave alone, and how much money I can realistically expect to make based on liquidity, staking, and just my previous efforts. And I find that by doing that, it automatically removes temptation to overtrade. So if I'm ever at my PC for an event that I haven't planned on trading, I'm well aware of the risk that I'm now taking. And by the way, sometimes there are occasions where opportunities present themselves during times that you haven't accounted for. And I do sometimes get stuck in, but I treat those as just bonus events and I try and be extra careful because, well, like I said, you don't want to be giving back money when you shouldn't be working. 
And I've spoken about all this in a previous episode, by the way. I think it was episode 18, where I discussed how to go about attacking long-term goals. And the best way of doing so is by planning ahead. What I did leave out, though, was what I'm talking about in this episode. And that's the untangible currency, so to speak. The energy wasted. And for the first few years when I was trading and experimenting with different strategies and different sports, I had that fire in my belly. You know, I was excited to wake up and watch the markets and learn and make money. And it was fun. But after years and years of doing the same thing over and again, over and over again, once the novelty wears off and you're going through the same motions, it gets exhausting mentally and physically. Sitting idly for hours is not good for your health. You get lethargic, you gain body fat, you slow down, you don't have the energy to spend with other people. And it's sad because the whole point of this line of work, at least for me, when I when I started this, was that, you know, it's to, it's to free you from that nine to five rat race corporate world. The whole point of this line of work is to be able to work whenever you choose to. And if you're not careful, that can very easily flip on its head and you can become consumed by your work, which is what happened to me in the beginning for a long time. See, as soon as you make X amount of money, suddenly you start thinking about the future. Oh, if I carry on at this rate, I can make this much by the end of the month. So you end up sacking off everything else that you made commitments towards and you start over trading. You start trading loads of markets just to keep pace with your daily or weekly average. And then on the other hand, if you're on a bad run, suddenly you become stuck in the past and you start dwelling on previous losses and you start saying to yourself, oh, I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have traded this. I shouldn't have staked that amount. Then you start trying to chase back those losses and, and again, you start over trading. So they, they both lead to the same outcome and it all eventually ends the same way. It, it all comes crashing down. And I had to find this out the hard way. So for a long time, it was a case of taking 10 steps forward and nine steps back. And it was super frustrating because, as I've said already, it's draining, it's taxing. And as fun and as fruitful as my trading journey has been, I'm already planning my exit. I don't know when exactly that's going to be. But what I do know is that I don't want to be doing this into my 40s and 50s. I don't want to be working at this same rate that I am now that I'm going to be then. I've already slowed down. The way I started, like I said, I was going flat out in the beginning. Now I'm very selective about the markets that I trade. And I really want to wind down on this line of work in the next 10 or 20 years. So, yeah, I, I don't want to feel like I ever have to work when you know, I'm in my 40s and 50s. And by the way, I'm not judging anyone who does that because everyone's journey is different. But I've been doing this for several years now. And like I said, I've spent God knows how many hours in front of the screens. And I've seen for myself how taxing it can be mentally and physically. And I have absolutely no regrets. Obviously, yes, there are things I could have done differently. And whichever way you dress it, everything takes hard work in the beginning. There's a price that everyone has to pay. And it took me, I think, around four months to become profitable as a race trader. And that's from scratch, by the way, without knowing a thing about racing. I had to watch every race every single day for about four months, just experimenting, losing money. Um, that's how long it took for me. Test cricket, I think, took me probably around six months, I'm guessing, to turn profitable. 
again from scratch. I, I've never done a course or anything. I didn't know anything about the sport. I had to sit there for hundreds of hours watching market after market, understanding what influences the price, making notes, trading, losing, making money, losing, losing some more. So you get the picture. The point I'm making is that everything should should only be hard in the beginning because you don't know where to start. You don't even know what you're doing. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. In the beginning, everything is is jumbled. Nothing makes sense. But eventually, the picture starts to come together and you build on it and you start to eventually see the bigger picture. So it comes to a point where things are no longer guesswork when you're past, say, the halfway mark because then you start working smarter. You know what you're looking for. You know what steps to take. You know what pieces to pick up. And that's kind of where I'm at now. And it took me a lot longer than it should have to get there. But when I zoom out and I look at the bigger picture down the future and back into the past, it's easy to see why I was a lot more fired up in the beginning of my journey than I am now. Yes, I was younger and I was excited, but my lifestyle was also much di- you know, much more different than it is now. So back then I was super active. I was going to the gym six, seven days a week, playing golf two, three times a week, boxing weekly, traveling by foot everywhere, taking the bus everywhere. But then when I started driving and then over the last few years, even as I improved as a trader, I was still working like a donkey because I was partly addicted and I was over trading and my lifestyle around my work wasn't conducive to a good work environment either. So I was sleeping irregularly because of the test cricket schedule. My diet became poor. My training became sporadic. And I was driving everywhere. So I just wasn't as active. And I all but gave up golf, my lifelong sport. I didn't pick up a club for years. So my passion to do anything just disappeared. And my energy levels plummeted. So after a long slog in front of the screens for hours on any given day, once I'd finished... I didn't want to do anything else. So I got lazy with relationships. I stopped making effort with people. I stopped doing the stuff that I loved doing. And I didn't realize it at the time until I zoomed out and reflected on the fact that I was being consumed by my work. And it was just becoming totally counterproductive. So recently, in the last couple of years, I've made the conscious effort to get my fire back to get my ass back in the gym at least four times a week, practice golf twice a week, go traveling, go to different countries, do things spontaneously, get a social life again. And believe it or not, even doing this YouTube stuff, it's way out my comfort zone, but it's something that I really enjoy. And it's something that I wanted to start years ago. But I kept putting it off indefinitely just because of my laziness. But now I'm just doing everything that I've wanted to do. And because I'm living my life more fully now and I'm more engaged with my hobbies and I'm present in social settings, I'm not worrying about money and I'm, I'm not itching to get back into the hot seat and start betting again. And I'm not putting target pressure on myself. It's had a huge positive impact on my work because like I said, I'm working less now. I'm more selective with the markets that I trade and my results are flying. Because I'm working smarter, not harder. And I'm avoiding all the bullshit. And I'm respecting my time. Like I said before, 
in the beginning, I'd happily sit there on a Monday for six hours and watch 30 crap jumps races and struggle to make 50 quid. Now that's what I look to make in an hour on the racing. So I'm having more respect for my time. Instead of wasting that screen time, I now focus on doing some YouTube stuff or playing golf or going out for lunch and essentially living that life that I imagined for myself as a trader. When I started trading, it was to grant me the freedom to live the life I want. And I'm no slouch. I still work hard, but now I work smart and there's a big difference and it's paying dividends. So I've been, I've been able to get away with working like a donkey for a long time, but I can actually feel that it's starting to wear me down. And I can't do this forever. As I said before, I don't want to be doing this, or at least not this full-on in my 40s and 50s. Because I don't want to end up being, well, I don't want to say end up, but I don't want to be like, and I say this, by the way, with all due respect, but I don't want to be like someone like Peter Webb, who brags about the fact that he hasn't taken a Saturday off in 15 years or something crazy. And whilst his dedication and application to the sport, uh, to sports trading is admirable, I don't want to be him. My goals and his goals are very different. I don't want to be middle-aged sitting in front of the screen every day trading horse racing. Again, that's not a knock on him. He loves it and he still loves trading and you can see he's passionate about it and he's done very well off of it. And he loves talking about race trading and making videos on it. And he loves sitting there every afternoon and Saturday afternoons. But for me personally, slogging away for hours only for Betfair to take 40% of my money is not how I see the end game. I do enjoy this line of work, but it's not something that I want to do forever. And the premium charges that come with this line of work, that, that only helped confirm that decision. Look, this is a great line of work for those who want to get their foot in the door, so to speak, as a trader and make some tax-free income and live on their own terms. But it doesn't come without a small print. Sooner or later, there's going to come a time when you hit that 250k mark and 40% of your hard-earned cheddar is going to come out of your account. And 250 grand is not enough money to put away and retire and live the good life you're still going to have to work. And unlike a regular 9 to 5, there's no guarantee that you're going to get paid. You could still lose money. And I don't want to be taking that kind of risk in my later years when I'll have much bigger financial responsibilities and kids to feed. So these are the years for taking risk right now in my 20s and in my 30s. So I'm actively looking for other opportunities to make money. So... I do a bit of teaching. I've started a YouTube channel. There's no money in it, but it's something I'm passionate about. And further down the line, if this thing grows big enough and I can get guests on my show, I'll be able to monetize it. But like I said, it's always hard work in the beginning. But um, I think it's an investment that's worth making. And I also do an awful lot of homework on the crypto markets and looking at the developments being made and how I can position myself accordingly to profit. I genuinely think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and it's not gonna it's not gonna come again. It's not gonna be as fruitful as it is now that it then it will be when I'm in my forties and fifties. So I'm always open to investing in things. And the truth is I really don't know how to do anything else. All I know how to do is trade. 
And at my age, I'm pretty much unemployable. I graduated uni a long time ago. I've never truly been a part of the corporate world. So I don't have any connections in that regard. And that scares me because, like I said, all I know how to do is to trade. So I've got no choice but to make this thing work. But I'm at a point now where I have to find ways outside of sports trading to profit from if I'm going to live the life that I have planned for myself uh, the next decade onwards. So whilst the responsibilities are relatively minimal right now, there's no better time and place for me to work hard, work smart, take calculated risks. And I have to find those opportunities. And when I do find them, I pounce. You know, there's another guy on Twitter, Mark, Mark Iverson, that I've got to know a little bit. Really good guy, really nice guy. And he's been doing this, he's been trading for over 12 years now. He's one of the heavyweights in, in cricket betting. Um, and even he has had to go back to the corporate world. And that shocked me. That shocked me a lot to see a veteran like him make that kind of step. I'm not going to say a backward step, but going from this lifestyle and this line of work back to the corporate world kind of goes against the grain of the lifestyle that one is used to living as a trader. But with gambling laws and regulations changing, the premium charges now, the landscape of the markets changing with the big whales dominating the market with faster feeds, inside information and bigger bankrolls. It's a lot to contend with. And it's kind of forced him into submission a little bit, so to speak. And those are things that worry me too. Those are things that I have to think about because I can't carry on this way without facing a similar sort of fate. And you have two choices. You either pivot and adapt or you lose your edge and die out. It's a cold, hard reality of this lifestyle. So for those listening that are profitable, it's not the end of the world when you hit the upper bands uh, of the premium charge, but you do have to ask serious questions about what your goals are and whether or not you're committed to pivoting and adapting and whether or not you're willing to work full on whilst paying a premium charge and taking all that risk in your 40s and in your 50s when you have bigger financial responsibilities those are things that you have to account for and plan for and i hate to sound like a scratch record but this isn't to put anyone off because this is a great line of work it's fun it's flexible you make money on your own terms it's got low barriers to entry but eventually there's a price to pay if you don't make plans so you have to put money away and you have to look for alternative ways to scale up not everyone is going to do as well as peter webb or Sykoff. for the majority of us we have to look for other ways to profit outside sports trading so hopefully that's some food for thought for you guys to think about but um yeah off topic a little bit now but last week my my good friend who i've spoken about a few times on my Twitter, and I've had him on my podcast as well, Owen, Owen Benson. Um, I've also done a video with him playing golf. I think it was a Day in the Life episode, episode two, I think it was, on my YouTube channel. So if you want to check that out, or check out our podcast episode, which we recorded a few months ago, um, where we speak about the similarities between our, our line of work. Anyway, yeah, he's a professional golfer. And 
this kid is supremely talented. And I mean, he's got all the attributes to make it to the highest level. But so do many others. But the reason why I'm betting on him is because he's got a great head on his shoulders for a 22-year-old. He's willing to listen and act on advice. And I say to him, don't make the mistakes that I made in my 20s where I ended up getting complacent and stuck in a rut. And when you get there, it's so hard to get out of. And I was fortunate enough to self-reflect and figure out what was holding me back and slowly fight off those bad habits. But as a professional golfer, you really don't get that same chance because there's an awful lot of financial pressure and you can't afford to stall your career and plateau before you hit the big time. And essentially what I tell him to do is work smart. He's already a hard worker. But I tell him, you've got to be a bit selfish when it comes to hitting your goals. You only get one shot in life. And when you have friends and family who don't understand your mission and don't support your mission and they're pulling you in different directions, it becomes a distraction and it takes up energy. And this kid genuinely listens. And I never bullshit him. I tell him what I see, what I think, because it's far easier to point out faults in others than it is to point out faults in ourselves. And he's only been pro for a couple of years. And he's made vast improvements in such a short space of time already. It's scary how quickly he's improving. And the reason why I'm talking about him today is because he won his first tournament as a professional last week. So we went out and celebrated and he was genuinely happy that you know I've been there rooting for him, supporting him from the beginning. Obviously, I'm not taking credit for his win. That's all him. <laughs> but the point I'm making is that the improvements that culminated in the win were no accident. Because he listens to advice, he takes things on board, and he's smarting up real quick. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that work hard, but he works smart. So next year, he's got three Challenge Tour starts. Um, and the Challenge Tour, for those that aren't familiar with golf, is just one below the European Tour, the main tour. And I said to him, look, keep that pedal to the floor. Don't get complacent, like I did with my trading career in the beginning and I just told him remember what you're shooting for so I'm going to get him back on this podcast I need to do I need to do that soon actually because he's off to Portugal for winter practice soon and I'll be in Dubai for December January so hopefully we can make that arrangement soon and have a fun chat um, about his career but yeah the point I'm making is that I give him the time of day because he's willing to listen and he's willing to act on advice. The same way you guys who made it to the end of this episode listen because if nobody was watching my videos, I wouldn't be making them. So I do want to take this opportunity to thank all the individuals who tune in every week and listen to my musings right to the very end. Uh, honestly, it means a lot. But it will mean a lot more. If you like this video, share it comment, subscribe, help me grow this channel and get it out there so I can get more guests on here. But in the meantime, I hope you all have a good week and I will speak to you guys soon. 